Hi everybody and welcome to another We Are Mission podcast, a podcast of Missio Scotland. I am Gerard Goff, the Communications Officer, and I am delighted today to be joined by Faria Gabriel Onuyima. Hope I've got that right, Father. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Father, can you just tell us a wee bit about uh, your background for, for people who might not know? Um, as you've heard, my name is Gabriel Onoyma. I come from Nigeria. I did my school in Nigeria, primary, secondary, seminary training, and then after the seminary training, got ordained. And um, as a spirit and missionary, I was um, posted to South Africa for my first mission. Okay, so if if we go back to the the you know growing up and was it Enugu State? Is that right? Yes, I'm originally from Enugu State. So Nigeria. what is what is that like as a place? What's it like to grow up in, in Enugu State? Um, Enugu State is uh, one of the peaceful states in Nigeria, where people are free to practice actually their religion. We are not um, tormented, if I use that word, by uh, some people who don't believe that Christians should exist. So we have um, freedom of um, religion and uh, relative peace mm. in Enugu State. And, and what's it like in terms of, is it quite agricultural, is it rural, or what's the kind of main uh, work in the area sort of thing? Uh, it's more of an um, agricultural area, mm-hmm. though you may have some um, office work, but a majority of people are subsistent farmers. Okay, fantastic. And and what was family life like? Do you come from quite a big family? Um, I came from. I mean, I come from a, a not big family. Mm-hmm. Um, I have uh, two brothers and a sister, mm-hmm. and then my parents are there. Mm-hmm. So it's not um, a big family. And my father is the only son from his mother's side. Mm-hmm. Um, his father married two wives. You know, polygamy in Africa before Christianity, mm-hmm. and then the other. Um, wife of my granddad got two children, a man and a woman. Though both of them have died now. Mm-hmm. Yes. And what did mom and dad do for a living? Um, my mom has been a farmer, mm-hmm. not like industrial farmer, but just subsistent. And then my father has been so active in the church as a catechist. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because in our own system, catechist is like a full-time job. And that's what he was doing until he retired, I think sometime in 2005, if I'm well, not mistaken. Yes. Okay. And what about your siblings? What did they do? Um, uh, my younger sister is a, a nun. Mm-hmm. At the moment, she stays in Germany. Right. She works in Germany and then studies in Germany also. And then the younger brother is uh, married and he stays in Lagos, Nigeria. Mm-hmm. He is a building con- uh, contractor. Okay. He's doing well in his own. Then the last born, the boy, is uh, also in Ghana with his wife doing business. Mm-hmm. So uh, a son becomes a priest, yep. a daughter becomes a nun. So it stands to reason that obviously your faith played a big part, I would guess, in, in family life. Yes, um, our faith played a very significant part and I strongly believe that um, that faith was built by our parents because mm-hmm. they are very religious um, uh, very honest in whatever they are doing and they brought us up that way mm-hmm. like when we are growing up we go for money mass almost every day and um, every morning we pray before going to bed we pray so that may have 
been some kind of foundation laid which made us, myself and my younger sister, to have picked up from there and then chose our life pattern. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, so before you actually get, uh, we get to your vocation, um, when you were at school, what sort of things did you like to do? What, what sort of subjects were you interested in? Um, when I was in school, um, I was doing what we call arts then, not mm -hmm. science. Mm -hmm. We were doing um, political science, um, subject that, re that relates to, actually, if I, I didn't become a priest, I was intending to become a lawyer. Right. So I was moving towards that sub those subjects that will lead me to be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. But the vocational priesthood, I believe that was it was stronger. Mm -hmm. And then I chose this life, yeah. From in terms of like um, considering being a lawyer, what attracted you to that initially? Um, I felt that some people are not really treated rightly, so I was feeling that if I'm a lawyer, I'll be able to defend those who are unjustly uh, punished in the society. Mm -hmm. yeah. Excellent. Okay, so your vocation. Um, what? Who or what was the catalyst for you deciding to take up your vocation? Was there anyone who was a major influence? Obviously, you've mentioned the kind of faith bedrock that your your mum and dad have gave you, but was there anybody in particular that maybe helped you discern that? Um, I don't really think that uh, if there's anybody who really influenced me, it would be the type of life we live in my family. You know, being so conscious of praying and also attending mass every day. And uh, my house was uh, very close to the seminary. Mm -hmm. So we used to go for money mass there and uh, I see the seminarians and also do interact with some of them sometimes. There was a small boy then. And um, I found some kind of um, joy in what they do. And I think from there, but no particular person, if I would say. So no, nobody in particular, but maybe the environment? I think the environment played a yeah. more significant role than individual a particular individual yeah okay so you decide to take up your vocation was there anything that was surprising to you when you when you started um, maybe I don't get that very well surprising in what aspect um just in terms of was there things that maybe you found a bit uncomfortable or was there things that you thought you might find uncomfortable but you actually excelled at, you know, anything in particular was maybe a bit of a, a surprise to you? Well, um, I would say the surprises came as uh, when I've become a priest already, mm -hmm. moving away from my culture into a different culture and then seeing how people also worship. I was a little bit, if I use the word shocked, yes, but I was warned, I was told that you are going to meet different ways of worship, different cultures, and uh, you don't need to uh, be overshocked. They mm -hmm. talk about cultural shock. Yeah, that's the only thing I would say that has really surprised me mm -hmm. in terms of when I left my country to another place for yeah. ministry. So when you were a wee bit deeper in, into your, your, your yeah. priesthood sort of thing. Yes. Um, just in terms of, you know, you were... You, you spoke about becoming a priest and stuff like that. You chose to join 
uh, the Spiritans, is that correct? Yes. Why did you choose to join uh, the Spiritans as opposed to just being, a, I guess, a parish priest in, in Nigeria itself? <coughs> um, that's why I say that my environment may have played a very great role in, in my choice of um, life in the sense that uh, I live very close to the seminary, the Spiritan Seminary, and I do interact with them. Um, some of them, and they talk about missionaries going to other places apart from your own locality. So, you know, when they tell the stories about other cultures, I became interested in moving out of my comfort zone to go and experience what other people experience. So that may have influenced my, my thought of becoming a spiritan, mm -hmm. going out to other people to also share what they do yep. in terms of faith. I mean, in terms of the actual term vocation, um, a lot of people ask this question to have got different kind of interpretations around about the same thing, a lot of things. But what for you, what does what does vocation mean in its in its broader sense? In a broader sense, I would think that vocation is following the footstep of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I don't limit vocation to, to priesthood or to religious life because there are other areas of life which God called people to. Mm -hmm. There are people he called to become priests. There are people called to become nuns. There are people called to become medical doctors, lawyers, and also called to uh, family life. Yeah. So vocation is all about being a representative of Jesus wherever you find yourself. And I believe that that's vocation. Excellent. Um, in terms of, you, you mentioned when you were um, into your priesthood a wee bit, that things were a bit of a culture shock. When when things are like that, um, where do you tend to draw strength from? Um, I tend to draw my strength back again to the teachings I got during my seminary days which made me to realize that there is no perfect culture. And every culture is good as long as it serves the people. Mm -hmm. And moving away from my own culture, the way we do things, getting to other people, the way they worship God, when I see the difference, I get back into myself to think about what I was told and then how I shouldn't judge other cultures as not good. Mm -hmm. So that always gives me that courage to be able to stand the culture no matter how it is because it serves the people. Mm -hmm. And and in terms of just your own personal faith, is there a, a kind of particular saint or saints or a, a scripture passage that kind of defines your vocation or in inspires you in, in, in a sense? Um, you know, the more, the more you grow in faith, the more you... you, you establish some kind of um, how you want it to be. And I know I've read the lives of saints, but at the same time, I try to focus more on the words of Jesus. So I try to see Jesus as a model because sometimes when I want to do something, I do ask myself, if Jesus is here, how is he going to react to this? So that makes me to look onto Jesus himself rather than any other person. Yeah. So Jesus is always my my point of reference. 
One of the things that you'd mentioned, I think, um, previously in speaking to you is being influenced by the Gospel of Matthew, in particular 25, 14 to 30. What is it about that particular scripture passage that, that you know, the parable of the, the talents um, that you find inspiring? Um, when you look at that passage about the talents, it goes back to the same thing I talked about vocation, that every person has been given a vocation and whatever you are doing to serve God is a vocation and is a mission. So the fact that this person is a priest, he's given a talent. The fact that that person is a married person, he or she is given a talent. The fact that the other person is a medical doctor and so on and so forth. So the most important thing is, wherever you find yourself, try to be productive in terms of what you are supposed to do. Because as long as you are doing it right, you are using your talent and producing good fruit for the society and for God himself. Um, so <clears throat> if we start from, if we go back a wee bit and start from your time in the seminary, your ordination and the places that you've been. Can you just take us through that? Take us through when did you when did you start in the seminary? When were you ordained and where did you go after that? Alright, um I know that I went through junior seminary though. I did I did not finish, mm -hmm. but I would think of I mean I would start from where I got into the postlancy and then novitiate. My postlancy was in nineteen eight I mean nineteen 95, then novitiate 96 to 97, then I went to philosophy and then did four years, which took me to the year 2000. Then I did one year apostolic work. Then after that one year apostolic work, I went back to school to do theology, and which I did for four years. And uh, after that four years, I got to then in 2006. Yeah. Okay. And after you were ordained, um, were you posted anywhere straight away or were you in Nigeria for a bit? Um, after my ordination in 2006, though by then I've known already that I'll be going to South Africa for, for missionary experience, mm -hmm. uh, due to visa issues, I spent three years in Nigeria, which was okay for me to really adjust to new assignment as a priest. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I left Nigeria in 2009 to South Africa and um, worked there until 2017. Okay, so, yeah. so, so quite a long time. So uh, what was um, life as a missionary like in South Africa? What sort of things did you, did you have to do? Were there things that you had to put in place or things that you found challenging? Um, each culture and each society have a way of worshiping God and um, which is right in mm -hmm. their own context. When I got to South Africa, I was um, posted into a parish to assist for some time. Mm -hmm. And uh, South Africa, being as it was then, I don't know at the moment whether things have rightly changed. There's a division between the rich and the poor, the black and the white people. The white people stay in the city and uh, they have their mass in the city. Then in the village, 
is where you have the black majority. And that gives you a kind of two world in which you as a priest have to stand at the center to minister to. In the town parish, whereby you see the majority of the rich and white, mm -hmm. their mass used to be very, very brief. Mm -hmm. And um, when you go to the local church, the village one, is more of... Um, a typical African mass whereby people would dance and sing all through the mass and we can spend up to one hour, 30 minutes and people are still comfortable and happy in the, in the mass. So uh, each time I have to prepare the kind of homily I'm going to deliver because the two different worlds have two different I issues bothering them mm -hmm. and I have to balance that. So that was like uh, some kind of a lesson for me mm -hmm. in life because I never experienced such where I came from, everybody unites in one church and there's no division or anything. Mm -hmm. But here, it was. Because I remember one time, I came for a baptism and um, as a priest, it was in the town. People were already in front. I now sat, sat almost in the middle of the church. And to my surprise, it became like everybody avoided me and I divided the church. Because from where I was sitting, those who came late never came up. And this is issue of not mixing up. You know? mm -hmm. So it was like a shock to me, but I took it as part of life and then I have to manage it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was your, so that was your kind of, I guess, your first impression of life in the missions. What, what was that like? What was your overall first impression when you, when you got there? Um, challenging. Mm -hmm. In the sense that I have to deal with two worlds. Yeah. The world of the black, I can really understand very much because where I come from, mass is like celebration, dancing with music, playing mm -hmm. drums and so on and so forth. It was okay. But the other side is where I had to really adjust myself seriously mm. because you have to be as brief as possible because when you waste a little bit of time, somebody will be at the back to give you a sign in his or her wristwatch that is time. Right. So... Jeez. That was a shock to me, yeah. Yeah. Um, so after South Africa, did you come straight to Scotland? Yes. Um, when I left South Africa in 2017, I went to... Um, actually, I left South Africa um, January 2018, mm -hmm. went home, spent some few days, and then flew to to UK. Mm -hmm. And then finally, I was posted to Scotland, Yes. Mm -hmm. And so where have you, obviously we're in since a few years right now in, in Galston, but um, where else have you been? Um, I've been to Caffeine. Mm -hmm. We have a spirit and community in Caffeine where I spent um, a month plus before going to Cathedral at Aya and spent six months there. Mm -hmm. Then after six months I arrived here. Mm -hmm. And so how have you found, how, what was your first impression of Scotland? Um, the first impression of Scotland um, is Scotland is a very cold place, <laughs> especially during the winter. Yeah. But at the same time, the people of Scotland are very warm in receiving someone that are kind. Mm -hmm. So that's how I see it. Yeah. Um, just in terms of the both your time so far in, in South Africa and Scotland... Have you got any kind of standout stories or, or memories so far that you could share with us? Um, 
maybe the the the, the story I'm have at the moment, especially when I look back at my journey in South Africa, was um, I was able to, well, not that I did, but with the help of people, were able to build a church mm -hmm. where there was no church. The people were using somebody's uh, car garage, mm -hmm. which was not okay. And then I encouraged them through their help. We were able to... Um, they had a land which has not been developed. Then I was able to encourage them, and then we sourced for fund. And before I left South Africa, we had a very good church built. Mm -hmm. Though you know, church cannot be hundred percent completed at any time, but at least is it was serving the people before I left because it was structural structurally finished. Mm -hmm. So when I look back to that, I mean, it gives me some some fulfillment that the people have got something from somebody who came from far place to help them. Mm -hmm. uh, <coughs> and if you can explain that to us a wee bit, because obviously there's not a lot of new churches that get built in Scotland. Yeah. What does the, a, a new church do for people who have previously just had a, a wee kind of outstation? How, how do they feel? How do they receive it? Um, it was it was a very... It was for them a, some kind of an impossibility thing that made possible because they were... A poor, I mean, it was a very poor community. And uh, the people at the point, when we couldn't use somebody's garage, we had to buy tent. Mm -hmm. And when it rains, I mean, it's horrible. Yeah. So now when I encouraged them and began to make contacts and finally they saw church developing, it was like breathing a great sigh of relief for them mm -hmm. that something they thought impossible is becoming possible. And it was, I mean, so joyful a moment. The time they saw a roof on the church and everything was complete. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and in a lot of places throughout the world, uh, the church kind of acts as a catalyst for other things to get built. Was that would that be correct? Yeah, because in that our in plan then was uh, that when the church stand, we can also develop some kind of a small nursery school where people can attend at least to get the basics of life, yes. Yeah, so it, it, it helps to, to open grow up. the faith and grow the church and everything else. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's fantastic. Um, <clears throat> we need to talk a wee bit about St Sophia's because it is probably one of my favourite churches in Scotland and it's very, very unique. Um, when you first arrived here, were you aware of its uniqueness? Um, before arriving here, I never heard any uh, about the church. It was only when I was at uh, the cathedral that the bishop told me about the place and uh, mm. that I'll be coming there. Then finally, uh, I arrived. Mm -hmm. To my greatest surprise, is actually a very unique church. I've never seen a church like that. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I began to work with the people, and the people are also very nice. Mm -hmm. And uh, since then, it has been a good experience in terms of faith journey. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a very um, it's a very beautiful church, but obviously is is it's probably in need of um, repairs. Can you tell us a wee bit about about that? Yeah, the church has a its challenge because even when I came newly, the bishop was showing me the challenges of the church. Whereby at the left wing of the church, there's a lot of dampness mm -hmm. and a lot of um, I mean it's really it looks so bad, but. Um, we began to think of what can we do 
we invited people to come and they looked at it. They began to do some little um, touches to the problem, but it's such a massive problem that the community cannot really do it by themselves. So at the moment, we are getting some specialists to look at the church, look at the problems, identify what actually are the major issues, mm -hmm. and then from there, we can begin to think of asking for a grant, yeah. which may help us to uh, repair the church because it's, it's, it's a church that shouldn't be left to decay. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's is really unique. Um, <clears throat> just on a, a kind of personal level, um, what are some of the things that you miss about Nigeria? And what are some of the things, you've, ov you've obviously mentioned about the people being very warm, but what are some of the things you like about being in your adopted home here in Scotland? Um, I miss every good thing in Nigeria mm -hmm. because there are a lot of, a lot of good things and um, but the issue is when I allowed myself to join the Spiritans, I know that I'm, going, I'm not going to be in Nigeria or even if I'm going to be in Nigeria, I'm not going to be around my, my locality mm -hmm. because as a missionary, uh, you go anywhere. So bearing that in mind, uh, I just made up my mind that whatever I miss in Nigeria, I should be able to gain again wherever I find myself. And part of that which I miss in Nigeria is good people. I miss good people in Nigeria. But here also, I'm able to find good people again. So that which I miss in Nigeria, I'm also gaining here because we are talking about human beings. Mm -hmm. As much as I get the good ones in Nigeria, there are also very good ones here in Scotland. Mm -hmm. So, Excellent. Um, I guess that this kind of question flows into that, I guess, a wee bit about, um, you know, what's the, what's the positives about being a missionary and what are maybe some of the negatives, if there are any? Um, the positives are about being missionary. I think um, it opens you to more knowledge about the world and the society and also different cultures. And that knowledge is a, is a, is a, is a wealth that you can't really get unless you move out of your comfort. So, and uh, if you are to unravel that, it's, it's a very big package that is so great that you cannot quantify. Mm. Um, the negative part of it, I'm not really 100% sure <laughs> if I've been able to identify the negative part. I only focus on the positive part of it, which is yeah. the great things that happen when you leave your comfort zone to go for a missionary and experience other people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, in terms of the term mission itself, what does, what does the term mission mean to you? Um, for me, mission means reaching out as Jesus did send the 72, go out into the world and proclaim the good news. Mm. So as a missionary, the most important thing that we can give is to proclaim the good news Yeah, to the people. Um. <sighs> In terms of, you spoke about earlier on everyone kind of having a mission. What do you think is the best way that lay people can be missionaries and live out their mission? Um, 
As I said from the beginning, uh, God has given each person a talent. And uh, wherever you find yourself, you should be able to utilize that talent. And that talent that you have and you, you are utilizing that is mission. But if you are trying to corner me on the level of the church, in terms of the laity being missionaries, yes, a lot of ladies are gifted with different gifts. Mm -hmm. Some of them are good teachers. They can teach in the church. Some of them are good helpers. They can help within the church to make sure that church is move, moving well. So there are a lot of good things that people can do, which also, when you add them together, they form the big picture of the mission of Christ in the world. Yes, um, in terms of the, the, the situation for the Spiritans worldwide, what is the, the what is the current state of play in terms of numbers and, and things like that? Um, uh, at the moment, um, I know we are having a good number of young people coming up to become missionaries, especially in Africa. I talk of Africa because I come from Africa. So the number is still is still increasing in Africa, those who wish to become missionary. Mm -hmm. But I know in Europe is a little bit is challenging because we don't see young people again coming up to take part in that uh, missionary work as religious. Yeah. Um, this the the church here in Scotland and the church in, in Nigeria or South Africa, how does it differ? How does the church here in, in Scotland differ from the church in Africa, do you think? Um, the difference could be on the area of uh, number. Mm -hmm. In Africa, the churches are packed with uh, lots of people, both young and old, and everybody taking part in the activity of the church. But... If you compare it to Scotland, is um, the difference is just very glaring because here we do not have so much number compared to what we have in Africa. And again, here in Scotland, where I am at the moment, I would say that we don't have much of the youths taking part in the church's life. Mm -hmm. And if I think of where I am, it could also be applicable to other places. So the number of people in the church is dwindling in Scotland, but in Africa, especially where I come from, is growing, is blooming. Mm -hmm. Then another difference is uh, in Africa, we are still building structures. Just as I told you about the time I built, uh, we, I helped in building a church in South Africa. But here in Scotland, the structure is already existing. So people are no longer thinking of building new churches. That's what I feel. I don't know how true it is, but that's my feeling, mm -hmm. that people are no longer thinking of building new churches because the structures are already there in place. But in Africa, we are still building structures because the number of people in are increasing and therefore the demand for space is also increasing. And we talk of different churches coming up every day. Mm. So, Father Gabriel, as well as you know, being the parish priest here at St Sophia's, you are also the diocesan director for Missio Scotland, the Pontifical Mission Societies. 
Now, when you were um, both in Nigeria and um, in South Africa, how much did you know about the Pontifical Mission Societies? Um, to be honest, I didn't know much about about that. Only that I think once in a year there is um, there is um, a special collection for that, but the details I did not know mm-hmm. until when I arrived in uh, Scotland and uh, through the bishop who encouraged me to take part in the Missio, mm-hmm. I began to see the picture of Missio. So I, when I was in Africa, I didn't know much about Missio. So yeah, but now obviously you've got a wee bit of a better understanding. And, and to that point, um, why is it important for for Catholics to support the work of, of Missio Scotland and, and the Pontifical Mission Societies? What makes it special? I think part of what, what I feel that makes it special is that um, Missio focuses attention so much on the primary school. And if they focus attention on primary school and able to help the primary school, which means they will be able to sow the seed of faith in the young and also help them to understand their faith. And when they understand that, when they grow up into adults, they will be able to do more for the mission of the church. Fantastic. Well, we'll end on a wee bit of a lighthearted note. I did a wee bit of research into you and found that you like tennis and at football as well. So if we talk about tennis uh, a wee bit first, did you have like a favourite player when you were younger? Was there anybody that you really liked watching? Um, when I was younger, um, I didn't have much, uh, I didn't watch telev- I mean, uh, tennis much mm-hmm. because the facilities were not there. Though in school, I did play with um, some of my lecturers mm-hmm. and that's where I developed the interest. Mm-hmm. It was only actually when I came to Scotland that I began to watch more of uh, tennis. Mm-hmm. And if you ask me my favorite at the moment, I will tell you that Djokovic remains my, Djokovic. my favorite. Yes. Yeah. I mean, even yeah. I know that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, in terms of football, like even, uh, you know, people th- all throughout the world know how good a pedigree like Nigeria has as a football team and some of the players that they've produced, you know, like uh, Amokachi and Akocha and, and lots of different players. Just how how big is like football in, in Nigeria itself? Um, football is, you can find football all over Nigeria, mm-hmm. both in streets, in schools and so on and so forth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like a known common game that everybody play. Mm-hmm. Because people, little children can just gather in a little space and they play the football. That's how it is. Mm-hmm. So everybody, I'll say, many people know about football and they have interest in football. Mm-hmm. And do, do, do you have any like uh, favorite kind of all-time favorite players that played for Nigeria? Because you know, there's been so many really good ones, and I think everybody remembers, like especially the the team in the 1994 World Cup and just how, you know, brilliant they were and how exciting and colourful and stuff. Is, is there any players that stick out in your memory in particular? Yeah, I think uh, the the player that I so much admire is uh, JJ Okocha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a good player. Uh, each time I see him play, I mean, he has something to off deliver at any given moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I admire him. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, well, unfortunately, as well, like Nigeria, are not at the World Cup yeah. this year. But is there any 
stick your neck in the line here. Who do you think will win the World Cup? Hmm. <laughs> That's a very tough question. <laughs> I think I think I need to think very very well before I get to the to that answer. Yeah. No bother. <laughs> Father Gabriel, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us, and God bless. Thank you very much. Thank you. Missio Scotland is a Scottish branch of the Pontifical Mission Societies, the Pope's official charity for overseas mission. To learn more about the work of Missio Scotland, you can visit our website www.missioscotland.com. You can like us on Facebook www.facebook.com/missioscotland. You can also follow us on Twitter missio_scotland and on Instagram missioscotland. If you would like to donate to Missio Scotland, visit www.missioscotland.com slash donate. You can also call us on 01236 449 774 or send donations to Missio Scotland, 4 Laird Street, Coatbridge, ML5 3LJ. Please keep us in your prayers. Thank you and God bless. <laughs>